Welcome into College Football Live. I'm Kelsey Riggs, and we're coming out the tunnel with the top dogs as Georgia returns to the number one spot in the CFP rankings. Our analysts discuss if they're buying them as the top team in college football right now. Plus, the Seminoles, well, they've stayed put at number four, but find out who thinks their time in the top four might be coming to an end. And Texas will be without their star running back for the rest of the season. Can they overcome the loss of Jonathan Brooks? It's all ahead as College Football Live starts right now. Welcome to College Football Live, presented by Zillow. Welcome into College Football Live. Jordan Reed hanging out with us at home. Sam Ocho, Kelsey Riggs here in the studio with you. And guys, let's call it a rankings reaction kind of Wednesday because we had our third set of the rankings from the College Football Playoff Committee that were revealed last night. So let's get to it and take a look at this week's College Football Playoff Rankings brought to you by Goodyear and Georgia. They're the top dog now. Jumped Ohio State for the top spot in the latest CFP Top 25 on the heels of that dominant home win over Ole Miss. This team has so many streaks going. Now it is their 13th time at number one in the CFP rankings. So Sam, are you buying or are you selling Georgia as the number one team in the country? I'm, I'm buying, Kelsey. I'm buying Georgia as number one for a couple reasons. Number one, the win against Ole Miss last week, sure. But even better, I think the win against Missouri, which I think is an even better team than people give them credit for. Missouri, yes, is a top 10 team. At first, I said, okay, well, they beat Missouri, but they did it without Missouri's best player, Luther Burton. Burton got hurt earlier in the game. Then I remembered... Georgia did it without their best player, Brock Bowers. <laughs> so I remember Georgia's getting stronger and stronger as the season progresses. Brock Bowers was injured last week. He still played, still got a touchdown, came back healthy. That's the touchdown right there. Ladd McConkey's playing outstanding. Carson Beck's been great as well. And so, yes, Georgia's the top dog based off of their wins, their resume, but also what you see on the field. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Sam. I think if we're talking about the eye test as well as the resume, I think Georgia is the best team in the country. And we talked all last week in saying that they needed this statement win against Ole Miss. Even before that, I thought they were the best team in the country ahead of of Michigan in a sense, just because, or excuse me, Ohio State in a sense, just because of some of the things that they have done this year. Look what they have done on defense as well as on offense. Carson Beck continues to get better each and every week. Big win against Ole Miss last week. They beat Kentucky and then they also beat Mizzou as well. This is the best team from top to bottom in the country. The Georgia Bulldogs are rolling right now. Well, they've already got three wins over ranked opponents. They've got an opportunity for two more. They've got Tennessee this week and then, of course, SEC championship game with Alabama already set in stone. That is going to be a good one because this Alabama team is hot right now, but let's get in the know with Joe as Joe Fortenbaugh brings us the sports betting perspective on the latest college football playoff rankings and quite the discrepancy between the CFP committee's top five and who Vegas sees at the top five teams in terms of odds as Georgia's committee's top team, but the odds makers, they like Michigan. So Joe, who are you siding with? I agree with the committee here. I'm playing Georgia at plus 225. What's not to like with this football team? 27 straight victories, two national championships. This year, they're beating the opposition by an average of 23 points per game. They hammer Ole Miss, they hammer Kentucky, they beat Missouri, everything's there. And I think we'd be able to get away with one loss, betting Georgia as well. You lose a tight game to a really good Alabama team in the SEC championship, I still think the committee puts them in. So Georgia plus 225 is the bet. 
Oh, that's an interesting thought. We're going to come back to that. But right now, let's talk about this because the rest of the top eight stayed the same, including Florida State staying in the top four means Washington, another undefeated team, is still on the outside looking in. Jordan, are you buying or selling the Seminoles at number four in the CFP rankings? I'm buying, but they're hanging on by a thread just because if you look at the team behind them in Washington, Washington has three top 25 victories. Florida State only has one. Now, Florida State is going to get an opportunity down the backstretch this year to prove that they are worthy of the number four overall ranking. Presumably so, they're going to get Louisville what looks like in the ACC championship game. So that's going to be an opportunity for them to go out and prove that they're going to have a top 10 win on their resume. So Florida State, yes, I'm buying, but they're hanging on by a thread right now. In my opinion, that thread just broke, man. I'm selling. I'm selling, selling, selling. The reason why is that Washington <laughs> has three top 25 wins based off the CFP committee's rankings. Those are That's the resume comparison. Florida State right now, the only ranked win they have is the LSU game. Washington has Oregon, Arizona, Utah. And, oh, by the way, they get a chance to prove it again next week when they play Oregon State. Who's Florida State play? North Alabama. And so I thought they would be switched based off of the committee usually saying, hey, we look at resumes. And I get it. Florida State, Miami, it's somewhat of a rivalry game. And so that's where the committee's saying, hey, let's get Florida State the tiny bit of heads up. But the danger here for Florida State, at least when it comes to rankings, is that next week, Oregon State is going to be a bigger opponent than North Alabama. I could definitely see it flipping for that reason. But the other thing that the committee takes into account is injuries. And Duke mm -hmm. lost their star quarterback. They're not ranked anymore. They've been playing without Riley Leonard. That was a good win at the time. But Oregon State still on the horizon for Florida, uh, for Washington, rather. And that is a ranked team. So we'll see how that plays out. But let's get Joe's thoughts on Florida State. Joe, what do you think about where the Knolls are? One of the most intriguing bets that's out there right now, Florida State to miss the playoff at plus 250. I played it because I believe there are three options in which this can happen for us. Number one, they lose to Florida. Number two, they lose in the ACC championship game. Number three, they go undefeated, but Washington also goes undefeated. Michigan goes undefeated. And then Alabama beats Georgia in a very close game in the SEC championship. And the committee decides to bring Georgia back to defend its title. And Florida State gets frozen out. Okay, so what I'm hearing Joe buying is that Alabama is going to win in the SEC championship. Yeah, Not really. But if that does happen, it's going to be interesting. It, of course, depends on a lot of other things if they were able to put both of those teams in. But I think the biggest thing is this. I got a chance to be a part of the, the, sure. the mock selection committee meetings where you see how they make the decisions, go through the entire process, not just one to four, one to 25. And the committee members said then, and even Boo Corrigan said last night, that the committee values winning, going undefeated. So a Florida State team that goes undefeated and beats presumably Louisville versus a one-loss Georgia team, I believe by those you know, the sentiments that the committee says, Florida State will have to be on top. We'll continue to keep an eye on that, and I know that Washington is definitely keeping an eye on what the committee thinks about Florida State for all the reasons we just discussed. The Huskies, they've got that big Pac-12 primetime showdown Saturday, squaring off against number 11 Oregon State. Coverage begins at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific on ABC and the ESPN app. And speaking of the Pac-12, let's get to some other news surrounding the conference. As a state judge in Washington granted Oregon State and Washington State sole control of the Pac-12 Board of Directors on Tuesday, the judge granted a stay on the decision until Monday, while the other 10 schools initiated the appeals process. Now, those schools released a joint statement saying, we are disappointed with the decision and are immediately seeking to review, seeking review, 
in the Washington Supreme Court and requesting to put a hold implementation of this decision. As members of the Pac-12 participating in ongoing and scheduled competitions, we are members of the board under the Pac-12 bylaws. We have the right to the revenue earned by our schools during the 2023-2024 academic year, which is necessary in order to operate our athletics programs and provide mental and physical health services, academic support, and other support programs for our student athletes. We remain committed to the best interests of the student athletes, athletic departments, and university communities, and will persist in our efforts to secure a fair resolution. Let's bring in now college football insider Pete Thamel. And Pete, what's next? in this ongoing process with the Pac-12. Well, the next deadline, Kelsey, is Monday at noon. That's when the appeal that the departing 10 will have to file by. In some ways, it really resets the shot clock for the most logical option in this case, which is some type of settlement. Settlements, of course, when you have 12 schools uh, with varied backgrounds and interests can be tricky. Uh, one source pointed out to me today that the Pac-10 schools that are leaving, even among them, there's radically different finances and what they'd be seeking out of some kind of settlement. So for now, what we know with some certainty is that both Washington State and Oregon State will play at least next season as the Pac-2. They already have the two-year NCAA waiver to continue to operate under that umbrella. What the finances end up looking like and the legalities end up looking like, you're still going to be in flux. Uh, the lawyers always win, Kelsey, as we know. Uh, but for now, look for Washington State and Oregon State to start to scramble together and perhaps get a scheduling arrangement with the Mountain West as soon as this week. They've long been in discussions about that. It appears mutually beneficial, but they haven't really come to terms on that yet. So those are the next few logical things that can happen with the Pac-2. Something definitely to keep an eye on as we wait to see what that schedule looks like. Something else that I know you're keeping your eye on is that head coaching carousel that has gotten moving this week. And you've got a, a new news and update for us with head coaches. What do you have? Yeah, big news just in the last 10 minutes, Kelsey. Uh, we're reporting uh, from ESPN sources that David Braun, the interim coach at Northwestern, is expected to be made the full-time permanent coach in the upcoming days. Braun has led the Wildcats to a 5-5 five five record this season, and that's coming off the, the program winning four combined games in the two previous years. Maybe more impressive, he took a program that was fractured after the controversial firing of Pat Fitzgerald galvanized them and clearly has the sum playing better than the parts at Northwestern. They went to Madison on Saturday and really blew the Badgers off the field. They led 24 to three and Wisconsin wasn't really ever in the game. And that became the, the, the signature moment for David Braun earning this promotion. All right, Pete Thamel with the very latest here on College Football Live. Pete, we'll check in with you in just a little while on some other news stories from around the college football world. But right now, more to get to on the other side of this break. Texas holding strong to the number seven spot. But what does this team look like without their star running back? He's out the rest of the season. Our guys break it down. Plus, could this weekend be the last time we see Caleb Williams play a college football game? What's next for the reigning Heisman Trophy winner? That's ahead. College Football Live is presented by Zillow. You're watching College Football Live, presented by Zillow. College 
to JMU undefeated this season in a perfect 10-0. Going to be a big one, as you see, with the Jonas Brothers performing live during the show. So let's bring back in Coach Football Insider Pete Thamel, who is definitely going to be singing along every word to, I'm sure, the Jonas Brothers songs while you're there, Pete. Is that right? Absolutely, Kelsey. I'm a huge, uh, a huge fan. Uh, That's what and the I Jonas thought. Brothers, I think, Kelsey, are going to pay it. They're going to pay attention tonight to this NCAA Board Administrative Committee ruling that will affect the mood in Harrisonburg on Saturday. Uh, the, uh, the NCAA Board is one of four committees that's going to decide the fate of James Madison, whether or not they will be eligible for the postseason this year. Um, James Madison uh, has applied for a waiver. They applied for one four months ago. It was rejected. Tonight, their waiver request and Jacksonville State's potential waiver request will be heard. And ultimately, if it is passed at JMU, I think there'll be a little more excitement in the crowd on Saturday, not just for the Jonas Brothers. That's right. I'm sure it is going to be a great scene there and obviously a lot of eyes on that. They are supposed to sit out the two years they're appealing to hopefully get in this year and have some postseason games. We'll keep an eye on that and keep an eye on video of you singing along with the Jonas Brothers. Meanwhile, in Texas, they're still holding on to that number seven spot in the CFP rankings, but they suffered a massive blow this weekend when they lost their running back, Jonathan Brooks out for the rest of the season with an ACL injury. What can you tell us about what we should expect to see from this team as they go on the road this weekend against Iowa State? Well, I think we're going to see a lot more of C.J. Baxter, Kelsey. He was the true freshman who actually began this season as Texas's starter. Eventually, Brooks came on won the starting job, and has proven to be one of the elite running backs in the country. But for now, it's Baxter. He has 390 yards total, three touchdowns, and there's an element of athleticism and diamondism that really had the Texas staff tantalized, especially in summer camp. Brooks eventually overtook him, but on a cold night in Ames, look for all eyes to be on Baxter to see if Texas can grind out a win. The silver lining for the Longhorns is that Brooks had established himself as perhaps the top back in the country for the NFL draft this season. Unfortunately, this ACL injury will likely keep him from the draft, so Texas fans could see him in Austin again next year. So good news for fans, but I'm sure they wish him the best, no doubt. Pete Thamel with the latest. The guy's back with me now. So no Brooks, but Sam, they do have Quinn Ewers back, who of course came back last week, so that was a big deal. Can their offense overcome this massive blow from losing Brooks? Absolutely, and the reason why is not even because of Quinn Ewers. It's really because of running backs coach Tashar Choice. So Tashar, Tashar Choice coaches the backs at Texas. Who else did he coach? He coached Jameer Gibbs at Georgia Tech and B. John Robinson last year, the two top backs the NFL draft. And so now you're going to have to have C.J. Baxter step up big. We talked about it. He started the season early, but then Brooks stepped up and Brooks made bigger plays. What do I mean by that? 10-yard runs for Jonathan Brooks turned into 50-yard runs. That's where C.J. Baxter needs to improve. When you get through the line of scrimmage, making the safety miss, make a corner miss, and make those eight-yard gains turn into 80-yard gains. I'm sure that Tashar Choice will be pushing him in that way, but I don't think it's going to be a passing attack per se. It'll be that offensive line and the running game. Yeah, I'm with you, Sam. And I think what they originally wanted was like what we saw with B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson last year. They want this to be a back by committee, but Brooks emerged over 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns. His production is not going to be easy to replace just because you have a freshman in Baxter who's going to step in, and I think he's going to do a fine job. A highly touted recruit. There was big plans for him coming into Austin, Texas, and now he's going to have to step up. They have a big game this week against Iowa State. It's going to be cold. They're going to be able to lean or have to lean on that rushing attack. And even though Quinn Ewers came back last week, they had some 
some pos positivity in the passing game. A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, they both have to step up as well. But I think Baxter is going to be a key component of this offense moving forward. So much on the line for this team. Of course, just one loss, and they are the second one-loss team right now in the college football playoff rankings. Don't forget, you can vote at ESPN CFB for which team you think will be the Dr. Pepper one final team using the hashtag one final team. Let's take a look now at our Dr. Pepper championship drive game of the week preview. And this game features three of the ACC's top four players in receiving yards this season. Number 10, Louisville. They've just cracked the top 10, taking on Miami. And Louisville has a big opportunity. They could clinch a spot in the ACC championship game with a win or a North Carolina loss this weekend or a Virginia Tech loss and a Georgia Tech win. Plenty to keep an eye on there in the ACC. When we come back, it's the final game of USC season. So will this be the last time we see the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, playing in a college football game. Our guys weigh in on his impact. College Football Live is presented by Zillow. Welcome back to College Football Live. Tiffany Green along with Jay Walker. And folks, this has been one of the most interesting races to get to Atlanta for the Cricket Celebration Bowl. And dare I say that the MEAC is now as unpredictable as the SWAC West. Absolutely. We think about the job that Howard University did last weekend when they defeated not only the number one team in the MEAC, but the number one team in all of HBCU football, North Carolina Central. The Bison were dominant. They put up 50 points against the reigning HBCU champions. Right now, Howard University controls their own destiny. If they win this week against Morgan State, the Bison will make it to the Cricket Celebration Bowl in Atlanta. Who saw that coming? And then you talk about the SWAC West. We always said it was wacky. Well, Alcorn was in control of their own destiny. And what did they do? They go out and get upset by Texas Southern University. So now the Braves no longer control their own destiny. They have to hope that Prairie View A&M loses to Alabama State. And then the Braves have to go out there and beat their in-state rival, Jackson State, no easy task right there. A lot of things can happen, and Grambling still has an outside chance. But we knew the SWAC West was wacky. We didn't know it would be this wacky going to the last weekend of the season. If you move over to the East Division, Florida A&M has already sewn that up in a spot in the SWAC Championship in December. However, they're slithering through that SWAC play and a chance to be undefeated. Well, you see me hopping on the bandwagon, right? Florida a and now the number one team in HBCU football. They've had a stellar season, a record-breaking season. They've got a tough matchup, though. Anytime you take on your in-state rival in Bethune-Cookman, that would love nothing more than to pop their bubble. But right now, Willie Simmons has the Rattlers playing tremendous football. They're ranked in the top 15 in all of FCS football. The Rattlers are definitely striking down there in Tallahassee. And we will be on the call for the Florida Classic 3.30 on Saturday over on ESPNU. Meanwhile, back to Kelsey. Guys, thanks so much. It's time for us to talk about the reigning Heisman Trophy winner because Caleb Williams wraps up his regular season with USC hosting UCLA this weekend, 3.30 on ABC. It's going to be a big one for a guy who has 29 touchdowns, four interceptions, and just over 32 
100 passing yards this season. So, Jordan, I want to bring you in first on this because a lot of talk about what he brings, what he'll bring at the next level, and what he has already done, of course, at USC. But what do you just think about his performance throughout college football and the type of player that he can be at the next level? Well, if we're talking just about individual accolades, I think Caleb Williams is one of the most accomplished USC players in program history. But if we're looking at it from a team perspective, I think it is very underwhelming. But just focusing on the individual accolades, fourth in the FBS ranks in past career passing yards, over 9,000 passing yards, 92 touchdowns, 119 touchdowns responsible for. He is a miraculous playmaker. He can play inside the pocket. He can play outside the pocket. He's given us plenty of highlights during his career. But selfishly I'm so disappointed that we didn't get to see him ever play in a college football playoff I just would love to see him play against Georgia Ohio State Michigan Alabama those caliber of teams just because we saw what a great performance like that would how that would uplift his draft perspectives just like we saw with CJ Stroud last year at Ohio State so selfishly I hate that we didn't get to see him play in that type of environment but he's one of the most accomplished players in USC program history and Jordan, we may not be able to see him play in the college football playoff against Georgia players, but we'll definitely see him in the NFL playing against Georgia players, maybe even playing with yeah. some Georgia players, <laughs> some pro athletes. Here's what's great about Caleb Williams. When he stepped on the scene, everyone noticed. I go back to two years ago, that game against Texas, and it was a fourth and one. He gets the ball, boom, and that was how Texas lost that game. Caleb Williams, that was his first play of the game and runs it over 60 yards for a touchdown. Then against Kansas, remember this play? When it was fourth down, Kansas was actually winning this game. Caleb takes the ball and gets a first down. Then another fourth down play against Kansas. Kansas was winning again. Caleb makes three people miss and gets a first down. And so even go back to what he did at Oklahoma, then fast forward to what he's doing at USC. This dude has changed the game of college football by his quarterback play. And I'm excited to watch him play at the next level, whether it's this year or next. Although Jordan thinks this is not going to be next he said Jordan told us what Jordan <laughs> he's 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 coming back before who yeah, the dinosaurs will come back before <laughs> Kayla Williams goes back to USC. <laughs> oh, man, he has been such a dynamic player to watch. Of course, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. I love the emotion that we saw out of him after that loss. You can tell what this means to him. Going to be a great player at the next level as well. Thanks for joining us here on College Football Live. Enjoy the rest of the week in Week 12.